Hey, Walt, this is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Well, I just wanted to say thank you for, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun talking to some former Dallas Mavericks, and I'm excited to talk to you. All right. Awesome. If you don't mind, could you tell me how, how you got started in basketball at, at a young age? What, what, what made you fall in love with the game? I started out uh, probably like as long as I can remember. You know, uh, I remember uh, maybe like five years old, four, five, like probably like five years old, uh, we lived in a basement apartment over in Fort Chaplin and uh, Fort Chaplin, Washington, in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. And across the parking lot was this uh, was this playground, this small playground. And over there, it had these monkey bars that started out a real, really big in this really big square. And um, as it as the bars um, were on top of each other, it started to get smaller and smaller and smaller as you went up the, uh, to the top. And at the top, it had this small square, but it was big enough uh, so that a basketball could fit through it. <laughs> and uh, man, we used to just play basketball on, on that on those monkey bars. You know, we would play one on one, thirty three, whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, it put pressure on us because if you missed. Uh, the fence wasn't very high, but if it if it rolled over the fence, it would roll down a hill. So you had to jog down. You had to jog a little ways to go get the ball. So it put pressure on you being able to make the shot. So, <laughs> so at a very young age, I mean, and also, um, I mean, I didn't need a basketball court. We would play it. We would nail bike rims up to a lamppost or something, mm-hmm. or use a trash can, or you know, so. Um, wherever I could, wherever we could um, um, get it in, man, we, we did that. That sounds awesome. I bet that uh, those are some good memories for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so as a kid moving in into high school, was it before high school or during high school that you started to, to notice that, that your talent level was, you know, significantly better than those around you? Oh. I would say it probably didn't really occur to me until uh, college. Oh, wow. Um, you know, in high school, I played, you know, I played on a, a terrific high school team. We, I think we lost maybe like five or six games in the course of three years. Um, and, uh, and three of those games were out of town. So actually in my area, we lost three times in three years. Wow. You know, and so um, – um, and we had maybe like four or five Division One players on, on on the same team, you know. And uh, at, at at some point, um, and so I was used to playing with uh, high caliber players. And uh, so, um, you know, for me, I um, I really wasn't into the game like that. I was just into it for the pure enjoyment of it, just watching it and and playing it. I I didn't look at it as um, Okay, I'm, I, I need to uh, put up these type of numbers in order to get to college. I, I didn't look at it in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just playing the game, um, and then all of a sudden I started getting letters and, and coaches started to be interested in things of that nature. So it sort of kind of like fell in place. That's also that also was kind of like the process um, when I was in college, going to the pros. It wasn't my 
it wasn't really, I wasn't working towards a goal uh, of getting to the next level. I was just simply, you know, even at the high school level, I just simply, when I stepped on the court, I wanted everybody who came into that gym that day to, to, to know that I was the best player on the court. You know, I tried to prove that, you know, every time I played. And it was just that simple concept, um, game after game, and it, it just had success for me. But I didn't think ahead of time, and and uh, I, I mean, I didn't think further off into uh, you know goals and next level and things mm-hmm. like that. It was it was in the now. I was living in in the moment for most of the time. Right during your high school career, were the, um, who would you say was the your biggest rival was it a a future NBA player or was it just more of a local rival? Uh, man, I had some. I had some. See, back in those days, see now, and it's an environment where you have a lot of um, uh, private schools that garner mm-hmm. all the attention from college coaches. But in my day, it was public school, and virtually, I would, I would, virtually every team had at least one Division One player. You know, I had I played against a team with um, friendly high school that had Robert Green as a point guard. He was a, a running back for the Chicago Bears. He played in the NFL for a few years. Oh wow! Uh, Dickie Simpkins, Dickie Simpkins was the center for that team who played for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I remember him. You know, for some time. yeah. Um, but um, you know, uh, I played against a, a guy, Byron Tucker. Uh, he didn't play in the NBA, but uh, you know. Top top player in the country, D1 player Michael Tate, you know Henry Hall. All of these guys were uh, phenomenal players. Uh, Gerard Mustaf, um, him as well. You know, it, it, it was just phenomenal talent in high school. So, uh, you know, I I, I couldn't. It, it, it was it, it was some tough teams, but we we were the dominant team. We were a dominant team, and uh, we didn't lose much at all. Right. Yeah. Sounds like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know you went on to, to Maryland. Was that always your, your far and away, the choice of where you wanted to go to play college basketball? Oh, no, no. Um, I grew up a Georgetown Hoyer fan. Man. Oh, yeah? Um, oh, yeah. I was huge, huge Georgetown <laughs> Hoyer fan. And uh, my, my father, he's from, uh, he's from North Carolina. And so, uh, um, uh, when he was alive, he took me to a North Carolina Maryland game one time, and uh, um, that was the first time I saw uh, Adrian Branch and uh, Lynn Byers. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, I would start to, you know, watch the news at night to see highlights of uh, Lynn Byers. Man, I just thought that his jump shot was the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And I was instantly uh, drawn to him. And, uh, you know, I just started following him. And all of a sudden, I was uh, forever a Terp, uh, yeah. Terp fan after that. So, me being a Terp fan is uh, 100% uh, uh, Lynn that that's a really cool story. I I did catch that that ESPN thirty for thirty documentary they did they did on Len Bias and he looked like he was a phenomenal player and uh, oh, it, it, it was sad what happened to him. Yep. So you you had a very successful career at Maryland, in particular your senior year, and once you wrapped up your senior year, you head into the nineteen ninety two NBA draft. And you're selected by Sacramento with the seventh pick. Did, did you have a a good workout for Sacramento, or were you expecting to be selected somewhere else? 
Um, actually, I, I thought my um, I didn't work out that long at all in Sacramento. Maybe like oh, well. five, ten minutes, really, <laughs> like ten minutes, maybe. Yeah. But uh, Milwaukee, uh, um, Denver, Denver. I had a really good workout in Denver, and so I thought that uh, I thought the Nuggets would uh, would draft me actually. But that's that's that that was because of my workout. But mm-hmm. on the morning of the draft, man, I was I was scared to death that I wouldn't I would be the guy sitting in the in the room and and didn't get picked, man. So, <laughs> you know, you start thinking of all types of things on on that morning. So, you know, I, I was just happy that my work was paying off in that way. You know, in my freshman year coming into college, you know, I averaged maybe like five, six, seven points. And uh, then my sophomore year, I averaged about 12 and a half. Then my junior year, I averaged about 18, 19. Then my senior year, um, 27. So I really took pride in being able to develop and get better and better each year. And so it was uh, it was uh, gratifying to be able to get to the uh, ultimate pinnacle of of, of, of your profession. And uh, it, it was just awesome to, to go through that experience. Definitely. And I know you were in, in Sacramento for – almost five years, had some pretty solid individual success, not necessarily a whole lot of team success, but I think you got to experience some of that when you when you were traded to, to Miami. Can you talk about your Miami experience a little bit and playing with, you know, Alonzo Mourning and, and Tim Hardaway and for Pat Riley? Well, yeah, you know, when that, that happened, we it was uh, quite a few trades that happened, maybe like the four or five of us new guys uh came to the Miami team maybe three maybe three three four five guys uh we all came to the Miami team and uh it was maybe sometime after all-star break or around that time so um you know it was relatively a new experience uh getting um um uh, to know each other and and getting to know each other's game and how we could uh, match it all together, flow together. Um, I think it, it came together pretty quickly. We was probably like in 11th, 12th place when we came to the team and, mm-hmm. and worked our worked our way back into that eighth spot. Um, I think we were able to get it going uh, pretty quickly. We were, I think we had the best record in the second half of the season. Wow! It was because uh, we we had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of mid range. Uh, to vet- veteran guys and guys who were f- uh, who knew how to play, who could learn systems really quickly, and uh, so we were able to uh, to get it going uh, 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 jail pretty quickly. And also, we had uh, you know Pat Riley's uh, uh, he prepared us uh, for every game. He was, uh, had great preparation. Um, he would get you uh, uh, fired up and your energy level very high before mm-hmm. games. You had a guy like Stan Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, who, uh, you know, just just exemplified work ethic and the way he, he uh, went about um, handling his business. Um, he was a guy who worked tremendously hard, and uh, we saw that as, as players. And, um, you know, we appreciated that, and we wanted to perform for, for the coaching staff and and uh, you know those guys really uh, uh, prepared us for games, and um, it, it was a great time. Yeah, no, that that's great. And then I know from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, from from Miami, you moved on to Toronto. Uh, what led to you signing with Toronto? And um, the reason I ask that is because it was a relatively new franchise, and I've read things about the time is that some players weren't necessarily thrilled with the idea of playing in Canada for whatever reason at that time. Did, did you have any thoughts on that when, when, when you went to Toronto? 
Um, it wasn't necessarily uh, Toronto. I had no idea what that what it was like there uh, mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, for me, I never really worried about where I was playing, man. I, I just felt like I was in the NBA and I had an opportunity to go out here and uh, play against the best players in the world, and right. and and uh, that's what it was about for me. Um, where I played didn't really matter to me. Um, I felt like. Um, I was in a place where I could uh, uh, make it happen wherever, wherever I was on and off the court, you know, getting along with guys and uh, being able to really gel and, and, and get to the fold. So uh, I, that was always something that, that came easy to me. So I wasn't too much uh, uh, worried about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just, the, just the situation in Miami just didn't work out. Um, moved on to Toronto. Um, I knew that uh, Isaiah Thomas was there leading the helm there, and uh, you know Darryl, a guy like Daryl Walker as a coach. Um, it was it was a, a pleasure to play with him, a guy who wasn't too far removed from the game. Uh, he could really identify with, with the players and and Isaiah Isaiah Thomas as well. You know sometimes he would even come and hoop with us sometimes oh, in wow. practice. You know, and uh, yeah, he still had it. He still had it a little bit out there, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was it was a great it was a great situation. And uh, once again, I enjoy enjoyed it all. Learned a lot, and uh, all of, all of these all of these uh, all of the teams that I moved to um, to uh, it was a learning experience, and they helped me um, uh, moving on to the next. One more question about Toronto. What what was it like playing with a a rookie, Tracy McGrady? Oh, it was phenomenal, man. He was a uh, he was a kid that was you could see early on that he had a, a lot a lot of talent, very athletic, um, very competitive, uh, soaked up knowledge. Um, he he wanted to be great. Um, early on, it was just that he had a lot of street ball in his game, and and when you're playing against professionals, uh, you you got to be more efficient. You got to make moves. You don't have too much time to make a lot of different moves. You, one and two, one or two, and, and go. And so he had to make that adjustment. But um, the biggest thing that I could say about about Tracy is uh, when he was uh, traded to Orlando, when he went to Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, people wondered about the, the money that he got, you know, because it was him and Grant, and both of them got um, a huge payday. But um, people were questioning uh, 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 T-Mac getting that, that kind of paper. But uh, the thing that – he had at that point was he was very athletic. He competed. He had a lot of length, uh, mm-hmm. but he he needed to get to the basket a lot. And uh, um, I, I talked to him about being able to have a mid-range game or either a spot up three, one of those, uh, one of those, one of the two, so that he wouldn't have to have his whole game relying on getting to the basket because it's so much tougher that way. Well, he came back that season and he had both. He had a mid-range and a spot up. So that showed, and it was he was very efficient at it as well. And previous, the previous season, he wasn't good at all. And so it showed the work ethic. Um, that he had and, and the determination and, and how great that he, he wanted to be. And I saw that early on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's pretty cool that you got to play with him at that point of his career. So then I know you moved on to Portland and you played with some pretty talented front court with Rasheed Wallace and Sabonis. What was it like playing with Arvidas? And the reason I ask is because I've seen his, his highlights before he came to the NBA and he looked unstoppable. But then when he came to the NBA, he had been slowed by injuries, but was still pretty effective. Had you been familiar with him in terms of his international career before you, you played with him? 
No, um, I had I had seen him play, but I didn't realize that that was him because he was um, he, when I saw him play in the Olympics, he was a thin guy, fly, high flyer, mm-hmm. and by the time I played with him, he was a bigger guy, and um, you know he was a oh, man. He was a fantastic, fantastic player because he was very, very highly skilled. Um, great passer. Uh, he would make behind the back pass over the head. Anything you had to be, um, you had to be aware at all times with him because he would see the floor like a point guard. Um, so it was it was always uh, great to throw it to him in the post because a guy that's seven foot three, he was such a big guy, and he had post moves. He could spin baseline. He had a hook shot. If he would play against a guy like Shaq, he could take him out to the three point line. He could shoot threes. So he was he was very highly skilled, a very highly skilled player, and it was it kind of fit into that team. I mean, uh, I talk about that team all the time. That was certainly the most talented team that I ever played on. Right. Um, I, I think that that's one of the top five teams that that never won that didn't win a championship. I mean, it was talent. Over and over and over. I mean, you you can almost go to the third the third spot and say that guy is a legitimate starter, you know, in just about every position. And mm-hmm. so uh, we we were very talented. Our practices were were very competitive. And so when we stepped into a game, we were always ready ready to go and, and ready to play at a high level. And I think where Sabonis was sort of uh, fitting for the team is because we had so much individual talent, but none of those guys were really uh, selfish players. You know, uh, they were all team players. You take a guy like Rasheed Wallace. He was arguably one of the best power forwards in, of the game. Yeah. At the time. And I'm talking about Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, whoever you can think of. Mm-hmm. Rasheed right there in that conversation with any of them. But when he got double teamed, he would pass the ball. And he had confidence in all of us out there. And uh, that was infectious. And, you know, he really dictated the game for us on both ends of the court. And he was a dominant player. He certainly could have shot the ball over top of double teams. But he chose not to. And uh, and I think that our whole team followed those guys' leads. You know, Sabonis and Wallace, they were both dominant guys. J.R. Ryder, you know, yeah. just dominant players who, who played within the team concept. And uh, I think that's why we played at such a high level. Definitely. Those were some extremely talented teams. One Portland question. What what was the the locker room like after the Sean Elliott Memorial Day miracle shot in San Antonio? <laughs> Man, you want to make me relive that? <laughs> I, I mean, well, I watched I mean, the replays you know, today. <laughs> you know, that's that's arguably, you know, was our, was our Achilles heel in, mm-hmm. in the locker room. We were just, you know, we were we were a little a little undisciplined um, and you know very competitive. A lot of us are very competitive, aggressive some a little high strung and you know just just ready to go and i think that we needed um someone who can kind of control our um uh, almost like rage when we went out in games and mm-hmm. and kind of you know kind of control that and and and, and have uh, we we especially needed that against the spurs uh they were such a uh a, a team that such a, a, a they were a team that would execute 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 and so you had to be really really sharp 
um, all the time, and they put that pressure on you all the time to be shot because they executed so well. And we 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 started that series off fantastic. I mean, we knew that we had um, probably more talent than them, and mm -hmm. and uh, we were very confident. And that that shot really it really uh, hurt our spirits, man. It really brought us down, and I believe it affected us for the rest of the rest of that series. Uh, we just didn't um, just didn't seem like we came out with the same the same fire. Um, we still had the belief that we could win the series, but it, it took more than that. You know, you had to come with a, a, a focus, not just with your energy level, but mentally as well. And uh, you know, we had key breakdowns through, throughout the course of the game and the Spurs uh, throughout the course of the series. And the Spurs uh, they they took advantage of it, and and that's what they were great at, and it showed through in that series. But I still maintain we were the better team. <laughs> we were the better team. We should have won that series. We were a championship team. Yeah, you guys were very explosive, very talented. So, I mean, yeah. if it wasn't San Antonio, you know, it, it, it would have been you guys, I think. You guys would have easily Absolutely, dispatched that, that Knicks team that year. So, after <clears> – <throat> After Portland, you go, you come to Texas, and you're playing with Houston. And uh, before we get into your Mavericks stint, I just wanted to ask you about. Uh, I mean, what was it like playing with with Barkley and Hakeem Olajuwon? Oh man, it was a, it was such a thrill, you know, playing with those guys, legends, you mm -hmm. know, uh, Hall of Fame guys. Just grew up watching those guys, and now being able to play with them, it was such a it was such an an amazing amazing time for me. I actually was there when Barkley played in his last game. He when he injured his, uh, his knee, mm -hmm. and then he came back to just get a bucket to end his, to end his career. I was there, so that was a, it was such an honor. You know, playing with Olajuwon, um, he was at the end of his career, so he didn't quite have the energy level, um, the athleticism that he had early on. But man, he would have some practices where he would have flashbacks, man, and it was it was just awesome to see, you know, see him performing games. You know, have those uh, those times where. You know, you go, oh man, that hit, hit that goes the young Akeem, and so to see that live like that, man, um, on a daily basis, it was awesome. Uh, playing against playing against those guys throughout their career, um, seeing them at their best, I knew that they were Hall of Famers while playing against them. So it's always an honor being able to uh, um, go out there and, and compete against that type of uh, player. Definitely. That, that's really cool. So you had, you had your three seasons in Houston. What led to your decision to, to sign with Dallas for your final season in the NBA? Well, man, uh, my contract had ran out with Houston and, mm -hmm. uh, um, I, I liked the makeup of the Dallas team. That was one of the teams that I looked at and, um, I just like the the makeup of it. I like that they had a good mixture of veteran guys, mid-range guys, and um, I thought that it was a championship caliber team. And um, I thought that I could help um, get towards that goal. And, and um, especially at that point in your career, that's what you you searching for. You 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 want so badly to be able to uh, get a ring and uh, experience that, that part of the game. And uh, and so I thought that Dallas was a good place uh, to be able to uh, get that done. That's really cool. And, I mean, I mean, you, you did end up making a good decision because you were a, uh, a big contributor on that team. And, just, I mean, to start out that season, the Mavs started out 14-0, and which was incredible, pretty much like the exact opposite of what's going on this season. <laughs> but uh, what, was, what was the team's mentality like during that, during that winning streak, just right off the bat, you know what I think. I, I think that confidence stemmed from 
the way Don Nelson coached us. Mm -hmm. um, he was very nonchalant in the way he coached our practice as if it was no big deal. Um, we would go hard, but um, he, he, he just seemed like he was never worried about anything. And I believe that that, that confidence or that, that, that confidence that he had of we're going to be all right. It doesn't matter who we play against. I think that kind of, uh, he, he coached that way, especially in practices. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that mentally kind of fueled us and, and, and uh, gave us a, even more confidence. I mean, um, it was many times in games where we really basically didn't really even run plays, really. It was just get the ball to Steve Nash and get down the court. You know, he was just phenomenal at his floor vision. And mm -hmm. me, myself being a point guard in college and just being a, a guy who pride, who has a lot of pride in uh, being able to have uh, be versatile, a versatile guy on the court, um, every team that I had ever played for, when I got the rebound, I would push the ball. I wouldn't look to give it to the point guard because I felt like I, I was a point guard too, mm -hmm. you know. And so we can all we. I got the rebound. Let's go and run and push it. But when I played with Steve Nash, oh man, when I got that rebound, I was I, I hurried up and got it out of my hands and got yeah. it in his because <laughs> I mean it was just phenomenal. Uh, the things that he could do, the things that he could see, he could he would literally go out and get. 35 points in one game and then the next game take three shots and have 17 assists you know he, he literally took what the defense gave him and he made us he was a, a coach on the court and you know um it's, it's just a luxury to be able to just give him the ball and then just go if we didn't have anything on a break, uh, you, Dirt was come set a pick and roll with with Steve, and that was a play within itself. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, we would just work off of that, and and we get to the fourth quarter, and maybe six minutes left of the game. If if it was a close game, then we would run an elbow play or a mid post, you know, for for Dirt to finish us out. But uh, you know, it was it was fun playing that way. It was fun fun uh, being out on the court with a guy like Ray for France, who could be the five man, but uh, lights out shooter from three and just mm -hmm. having a floor spaced like that and, and just playing that way. And, and also it was a treat in that individually, none of us were good defensive players, but collectively we were a solid defensive team, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that, that helped us, that helped us win games because uh, I think we knew, we knew individually, individually we were in trouble, but we worked together as a team. We were a very, very smart team and we, we were, um, um, unselfish and, and we, we played together and that, that helped that was uh, the key to a lot of our success unfortunately once again ran into the Spurs yeah. and uh, <laughs> those guys cost me another championship so, <laughs> right. you know it, it, uh, Dirt you know Dirt got hurt in that in that uh, Western Conference series against the Spurs as well so you know our team suffered uh, he's the, our best player our best scorer and, and rebounder so uh, we really uh um, took a sting to our, uh, our rotation and our team uh, losing dirt. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, I did want to go into that playoff run because I really was a, a magical playoff run, but I, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, do you remember, so the team started off 14-0. and 0. Do you remember the team's first loss that season? I do not remember who that was against. I okay. remember thinking that the, uh, I believe the record at that time was maybe fourteen and zero, and we, we maybe we tied it. Or, yeah. 
we 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 could have broken the record with a 15 and 0, but I do not remember who that loss was against. Uh, it was against Indiana, and it was against and it was on Thanksgiving Day. So it's with Thanksgiving oh, man, right around the corner. We should have won that game. Yeah. <laughs> we should have won that. <laughs> yeah. so I wanted to see if you remembered that. But yeah, going through that that magical season, obviously, like it was so much fun. I'm a lifelong Mavs fan, and you know that was they had been kind of knocking on the door for a couple of years, but that season was definitely really special just in terms of the talent level with guys like Nick Van Exel, Steve Nash, Michael Finley, Dirk, yourself, you were a big contributor, Rafe LaFrance, like you said, spreading the floor. Um, do you have any like particular off the court memories that, that mean a lot to you that, that you'd be able to share? Um, it was just the thing I, I, I uh, remember about that Dallas Maverick team is um, when we were on the road, we would get together as a team and have fellowship, you know, and uh, it was led by Avery Johnson, and mm-hmm. um, he was really, uh, he really demonstrated, um, in my opinion, what a, what a leader is above and beyond. Um, he was literally a guy who I consider, even though he was playing, he was looked at as almost like a, like a, um, just a, just a coach, not even a player. He, mm-hmm. his status was elevated to, to that level. Um, as, as far as the respect uh, that he garnered, and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot, and it was just it was just special playing with those guys. Special playing playing with so much talent. You know, I remember uh, uh, the playoff series um, um, against uh, the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that people were just couldn't wait for that series because both of us were in the deep hundreds. We would put up numbers. And yeah. so it was it was just so exciting to be and and how and and that's where I started my career. So I always had a special attachment to the fans there, and um, so it was great to uh, be able to experience that and, and and play in such a great series and and have such an impact on it and you know just experiencing uh, a, a, another shot at. Um, coming close to getting a championship, you know, it, it was just a great feeling. And once again, playing with Hall of Famers and Steve Nash and, and Dirk Nowitzki and, you know, maybe even Nick Van Exel. I mean, he was a fantastic player coming off the bench and mm-hmm. for that talented team. He was often, um, at the end of the games, he was often our closer. Right. With Nash and Dirk Nowitzki on the court. He was the guy that we went to many times. And so, uh, you know, just seeing, just playing with so such great players, and it was such a it was such a great experience, and especially ended my career. I knew uh, going through that season, especially at the end, I knew in those last few games that uh, it was going to be my last, and so uh, it was it was such a great honor to play with such great players in in my final season. For sure. Well, yeah, you definitely. I think you you had a memorable final season. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about that playoff run. The Portland series was was pretty memorable. And again, against one of your former teams, some of your former teammates, uh, against Sheed and Sabonis. Uh, but I mean, the Mavs were up three zero, and you know, looked to be in control. And then, so they they go back or in Game Four in Portland, the Mavs lost, and then lost game five in Dallas, and then it goes back to Portland, they lose again. All of a sudden, it's tied, and game seven is in Dallas. What was the team, what, what was the locker room vibe like going into game seven after having a 3-0 series lead? Well, yeah, when you when you jump out on a team 3-0, uh, you, you're feeling great, and, mm-hmm. and you think it's over. Even if a team come out with the fire and get one, 
you certainly think that okay, we're going to take it back home and, and right. Everything. I thought but, so. Uh, yeah. That Portland team was very, very talented, and you know they had some great players there, and and they show improved, man. You know they uh, they came to play, and and they played with a lot of heart and toughness, and, and they challenged that in us. And uh, so in that game seven, um, we knew that it wasn't going to be just a basketball game. We knew that those guys were coming to challenge our, uh, our heart and, and our determination to, to finish this off. And so, you know, oftentimes out there, you're out there and you, you're shooting it well and, and you're, you're making great passes and you're dunking the ball. And then at some point, you know, when you're competing, we, we're not going to just play basketball out here anymore. Now it's going to get physical, and, and uh, let's see how you handle that. And uh, that's, what, that's what happened in that Portland series. They, they changed their mentality. They started to be very physical. They started to be uh, uh, very aggressive. And uh, uh, they wasn't playing that way in the previous three, and so it took a minute for us to, to adjust to it. And, you know, we finally got it together in, in uh, Game 7. Yeah, for sure. That was a, a memorable series. And, and then after that, the, the Sacramento series. And even till this day, one of my good friends, he refers to game three as, as the Walt Williams game. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> that was a funny game right there because yeah. uh, by that time, you know, um, I was deep in the rotation, you mm-hmm. know, and I wasn't playing as many minutes. And um, in that game, uh, I can't remember, I believe Adrian Griffin, who who was uh, – who was coming off the bench? Um, he had got hurt. Mm-hmm. He got hurt in the in the second half of the game. So I had been virtually sitting throughout the whole series and throughout that game. And I didn't come into the game until the fourth quarter. So uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, man, I couldn't wait. You know, I was ready to go. I'm a I'm a guy who's a who sweats like crazy. So <laughs> I'm when I'm sitting on the bench, I'm sweating already. And yeah. so when I went into the game, I was ready to go. I was oiled up, and I was ready to go, man. And and um, I was into a flow, and it was it was instant offense out there. And the thing that that helped me uh, in all situations that uh, no matter what was going on out there, I always maintained um, confidence in myself, and, uh, and you know I, I felt that I was a hell of a player, man. And, uh, mm-hmm. and and it didn't matter who who I played against, I felt like that I could do what I needed to do. I could play my game against anyone. And so when I got into the game, it, it was no hesitation. Um, uh, when I got the ball and you know, swinging the ball around in the rotation, um, I was open a lot. And, and guys, I, I, I would guess that um, that that typically wasn't the case. So I would guess that um, Sacramento was just guessing that I hadn't played the whole game in the series that much, really. And so there's no way I can come out there shooting the ball like that because, you know, in our Dallas team, we just had all shooters. You know, so you had to pick your poison. And that particular night, it was me. You know, they yeah. chose to, to rotate to me last. And, you know, I made them pay for it. And it was a great experience. And like I said earlier, it was it made it even more of a great experience to do that in an arena where I where I had so much success and mm-hmm. heard so many cheers, and uh, it was just great to come back in there and, and have a game like that. Definitely, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the the box score of that game right now, and you had the highest plus minus of anyone on the Mavs. You were plus 13 during your 17 minutes on the court, and you had 10 points and two big threes, and and I know you had a dunk in traffic. So I mean, that was pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, I played in the fourth in overtime, man. And yeah. So, uh, I had limited minutes out there, but it was yeah. crucial time. Absolutely. Time, so it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, there's no way the Mavs win that series if you don't perform like that. So that was awesome. <laughs> so then you said earlier the, the San Antonio series was tough because of Dirk's injury. But, I mean, you guys, you put up a fight without him, you know, won game five in San Antonio, which was really impressive. And I remember not really expecting that. And then, you know, had a big lead in game six. And unfortunately, Steve Kerr shook off the cobwebs and <laughs> Steven Jackson kind of um, started to make a name for himself in the league that game. But you, you had a really good game too. Yeah, I know uh, you ended your career on a, on a positive note with uh, 17 points in your final NBA game against the eventual champions. So, but even though you said you knew that was your last series, your last NBA games, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I knew that I was going to retire. I knew it was the end. Um, you know, I was a little wore down. Um, it was a chance. It was a chance to come back. Um, mm-hmm. you, you never know. But um, I had my, my son was born uh, prematurely, and so that that really retired mm-hmm. me for good. Um, and and in that in that last game, you know, uh, man, we were we were rolling, and I really thought that uh, we would take the Spurs to Game Seven. I really thought we had a a chance, even without Dirk. That team was just so deep, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we we played well together. But he was our best player. He's a superstar guy. And Absolutely. Throwing the, I had to guard. Imagine, you know, I had to guard Tim Duncan. You wow. Know? Yeah. And so and so. Uh, the double team's coming, and Steven Jackson started hitting his shots. And so then you say, okay, we're going to rotate to Steve Steve Jackson really quick, but then you have to leave Steve Kerr in order to rotate to Steven Jackson. And so it's once again, it's, it's pick your poison. And uh, those guys caught fire right at the, at, at the, at the right time. And uh, the Spurs, they, they execute. They execute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they found those guys open every time. And, and they had a wonderful fourth quarter. You got to take your hat off to them. I, yeah. I was hot throughout the game, and I maybe that maybe I should have got a few more shots in in that fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> yeah, and I was hot. I was hot. Right. You know, and I didn't get too many looks at that fourth bed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I, I just have two more questions for you. Yes. One is, how did you end up in the Hootie and the Bluefish uh, music video? <laughs> Well, I was actually, it's a crazy story, I was actually in uh, Los Angeles um, for a uh, EA Sports um, event. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my teammates uh, at the time, Mitch Richmond, I believe he was on the cover. And so I went with them down there and maybe a day or two in, my agent called me and and, and uh, said that uh, Hootie and the Blowfish were shooting a video at Maryland and they wanted me to be in it. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I'll be honest, man. I You know, a couple of those guys are from Maryland, so, uh, you know, they were fans of the Terps and stuff like that. So, gotcha. But I'll be honest, I didn't, I had no clue who Hootie and the Blowfish was. So I was telling my <laughs> agent, I was like, man, I'm way in California. I'm not flying all the way back to, <laughs> to the East Coast for this video. And then he... He proceeded to tell me, you know, about their success and <laughs> millions and millions of records. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. These are top-notch guys out here. All right. Yeah. So uh, I got on the plane and headed on back. And, you know, we had a great time out there, you know, getting to know those guys and, you know, shooting around and, yeah. and uh, just hanging out, man. It was a great, it was a great time. And uh, um, it was great hanging out with those guys.
Cool. And uh, the last question I have, and this is something I've been, I think you're maybe the ninth former Maverick I've talked to. I haven't talked to any of your former teammates yet, but I wanted, and I've asked two other guys the same question. I wanted to see if you could name all of the Maverick, all of your Maverick teammates that played in the regular season during your year in Dallas. All right. There's 17 of them. I Tariq Mahad, Wahad. Yes. Uh, Nash, Van Exel, Finley, Dirk, Rafe, Avery, Raja, myself, Nahara, Sean Bradley, Popeye, Adrian Griffith, Rigado, uh, Doing real good so far. You got one, How many is that? Two, you got one, two, three more. You've done fourteen. You only got three more. Oh man, Adam. Uh, Adam. Uh, what was Adam's last name? You got it, Harrington. Uh, Adam. Yeah, Harrington. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got one one guy that was wearing your 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 traditional jersey number, so you couldn't wear it that year. Oh, S S Maya. There you go. And one more. And, uh, you know what? Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, I think you just had it. Marcus. Marcus. Marvin. Mark. Yeah. Mark Gordon, right? Mark Strickland. 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 Yeah. Yeah. See, he was there for a very short. He was there for a very short period of time, so he wasn't there long at all. No, I mean, yeah. That's all. You. I will say this. I I did the same quiz with Marquise Daniels and with Dan Dickow, and you 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 did better than them. You 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 got you either got all of their names or a partial name. They each gave up and had to. uh, I had to give them some answers, but you you've done the best so far, so you should be proud. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) Those are my guys. Awesome. Well, um, so uh, what are you doing in post retirement? Well, I'm a I'm a financial advisor, and I I uh, do some um, analyst work with the Terps um, and the uh, Wizards as well. Oh, cool. I keep pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Well, that's cool. Well, um, thanks so much, Walt. Uh, I appreciate you you taking my call and being open to talk with me. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and you know you provided some great memories in uh, your your lone year in Dallas and. Thank you for that. Uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big time fan, and I was excited to get a chance to talk to you. So I hope I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. All right, same to you, buddy. My pleasure.